Well, it's so good to be with you this morning, church. Um, before we get started, I just want to let you know that we are in um, part two of our series called Creed, um, which is, is going very well. Pastor James did a great job last week of kicking us off. Um, by the way, who, who got one of these fancy bracelets, right? Did you get one of these? Yeah? If you didn't, make sure you get one. They're cool. I like them. It's a reminder. I love, on one side it says, I believe, and the other side it says the Apostles' Creed. Um, and we're talking about with the Apostles' Creed, man, it is the core and the foundation of what we believe as Christians. Amen? Amen. So we're going to jump in here, and uh, before we do real quick, I just want to let you know um, that for whatever reason, like, the ragweed is crazy right now, right? So, like, I have, like, if my voice sounds just a little gravelly, you know, like I'm coming to you like, Pastor Nate here from the Church of Grace and Peace. Like, if I sound extra, like, cultured, it's, it's, just, it's just the ragweed. just want to let you know. Um, which, by the way, I don't even know what ragweed is. That's just what I blame my allergies on. And like, it could be like middle of spring. It could be like dead of winter. I'm like, ragweed, right? <laughs> and everybody's like, yeah, it's crazy this year. It's, we, we don't, let's, none of us know what ragweed is. Amen. So... Anyways, so the Apostles' Creed. So the Apostles' Creed, again, this is the core foundation of what we believe as Christians, right? This is like if you take the whole Bible, the gospel, and you boil it down, like what are the core beliefs on which everything else stands, on which everything else we're going we're gonna, to like stake our faith on, right? What is, what is that core foundation? And that's what the Apostles' Creed talks about, is that, like, we believe in God the Father, right, the creator of heaven and earth. And the part that I'm talking about today is I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, right? That's, that's, that's like, those few little things. And it seems kind of very self-explanatory, but there's so much, like, truth in those statements that Jesus Christ is God's only Son, and He's our Lord. There's so much truth in these things. But what I want to start out with is talking about just that statement, I believe, right? When we say a statement, I believe, it means that we are declaring something personal as a foundation for ourselves, right? And we can believe in lots of things that aren't true, right? There's so many things that people believe in that are not true. My, um, from what I understand, my great-grandfather or my grandfather on my dad's side, or maybe my mom's side, I'll get corrected at some point, used to drink um, hydrogen peroxide, he used to say, if it's good for the outside, it's good for the inside. I, I don't think he's right. <laughs> but maybe I'm wrong. He lived to be older, I think. I, I, you know, right? Like, it's just because we believe something doesn't make it necessarily true, right? There's a church of the flying spaghetti monster, right? They wear colanders on the top of their heads. That doesn't make it true, right? That doesn't, that doesn't give any power to the... To their, the fable of the flying spaghetti monster, right? That doesn't, that doesn't provide anything. So right, we, what we want to believe on, right, it's not just about saying something is true. It's saying that whatever I experience in life, I'm going to come back to these foundational truths, right? When we say we believe these truths of the gospel, like Jesus Christ is our Lord, right, what we're saying is that whatever I experience in life comes secondary to the truth that is God's Word right? Because let's face it, there's so many things we experience in life that are contrary to God's Word, right? Does that make God's Word not true? Absolutely not. It means all the more so we need to take a, st a stand and, and found ourselves in God's truth, right? Because I don't know if you know, but you look around, there's not another firm foundation. Amen? So I believe, right, that's a personal 
confession of faith. All right, everybody say, I believe. I believe. believe. All right, so the first thing we're talking about here, I believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So who has their fill-ins with them? Do you have your fill-ins? You guys like fill-ins? God bless you. You and I are not the same person. Um, I do not like fill-ins. I never had a teacher that thought I liked fill-ins, but here we are. Um, right? I believe in Jesus Christ. What's cool, uh, the name Jesus in uh, Hebrew and Aramaic is pronounced Yeshua, right? It's a very, it was actually a common name at the time that Jesus roamed the earth um, in that, that first century world. Uh, but that term Jesus, it means, right, it's meaning there, your first fill-in should be Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is salvation. And the term Christ, how many of us know Christ was not Jesus' last name, right? That wasn't, that wasn't his last name. It wasn't, it wasn't the Christ family he was born to, right? It was, it was Jesus being, it's his title of authority. He is the Christ. We call him, so the Bible referred to Jesus as Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. In both terms, what it's, what it's highlighting is that he is the anointed one, right? That there are many Jesuses, but there is not a Jesus who is like Christ Jesus, right? Jesus our Christ. Your next fill in there, Jesus is the revealed expression of our veiled heavenly Father. He is the revealed expression of our veiled heavenly Father. You know, I think it's really cool. Jesus is not as common a name among, you know, like, like normal North American families, right? But, but cultures all over the world use the name Jesus and still do, many of them um, referring to, you know, it's still a common name in use today, amen, right? Like, that all makes sense. I think it's interesting that the name of God, Yahweh, right, which is what Jesus means, Yahweh is salvation, was so holy and so unattainable that the, it, the, the vowels were removed so that it couldn't fully be pronounced, right? Y-H-W-H. Um, one of the things Gab taught me, uh, actually Gab and her dad taught me, was that's called the Tetronomicon, right? Everybody say Tetronomicon. I taught you something, right? That's, that's, a, neat little, that's a neat little nugget, um, right? It's called a Tetronomicon. It has no vowels, right? Y-H-W-H. You can't pronounce it. Yeah, that's it, right? It kind of, it's synonymous with like breath, kind of cool, like God breathed life into Adam, um, kind of a neat thing there. But so if, if the name of God in the Old Testament was so holy, that its, its vows had to be removed, that it couldn't even be spoken by man. Here, the name of God is now revealed. The person of God is revealed in Jesus. That's so common that anybody could speak his name. Isn't that kind of interesting? Right? In the Old Testament, God was so veiled from the Israelites, from the people, right? That there had to be, uh, there, in the temple, there was this place called the Holiest of Holies, right? There was this heavy curtain that blocked off like the outer courts from the inner courts that, that you couldn't go past. And, and even inside the, the holiest of holies, there was like incense burning that was like even more like a cloud so that like when the high priest on the Day of Atonement went in there, that there was like a, even a barrier between him and the presence of God because the presence of God was so strong that like if he wasn't like perfectly ceremonially clean, like he just, he just wouldn't make it, right? Like not because God's like like judgmental or anything, it's because you, we can only go into God's presence if we're perfect. And none of us, I don't know about you, but we ain't perfect, <laughs> right? Like I can tell you right now, you go to Starbucks and they don't have, you know, your perfect order. You, we find out how quickly we're imperfect. You know what I mean? There, was a, there had to be some kind of a veil between humans 
and God, even the high priest who was going on behalf of the entire nation, right? And it was so, it was, the presence of God was so full in that place that like, he had to wear like bells <laughs> while he was walking. And if he was any, in any way ceremonially unclean going into that place, like the bells would stop jingling. <laughs> he would have a rope tied around him and the other priest would know like Jethro didn't make it, you know. <laughs> They have to pull them out, you know. It gives another meaning to the song, Silver Bells, you know. <laughs> Merry Christmas, by the way. Um, right, no, like there had to be, like he had to be perfect to go before God on behalf of the nation of Israel. In Jesus, that same God that was in the holiest of holies, that was veiled from humanity, the Father who is so powerful and strong that only perfection could stand in his presence was now revealed and not, not the people didn't have to go into the holiest of holies to encounter God. God left his throne of heaven to come and walk among his people, right? Like that's, the, that's like the, the, the exchange. Jesus is the expressed version of the Father, right? And one of the things that we have to realize when we talk about this, this kind of like the reason why this is so powerful in the Apostles' Creed is because sometimes like if you're in church long enough, and let's just face it, there can be this, this, this ideology that, that, that sneaks in because we have to recognize that like God the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they're all God. They are all one God. They are three expressions of the same God, amen? But we can kind of, and we see in Scripture, right, that they, like the Holy Spirit you know, testifies of Jesus. Jesus gives glory to the Father. The Father raises up Jesus. Like, they interact with each other. The Godhead interacts with each other. Um, we can kind of get this idea that Jesus is like the Diet Coke version of God. Let's be right. Like, if you're in church long enough, you can kind of get that idea that, oh, well, who do I pray to? Do I pray to Jesus or do I pray to God? Right? Or do I pray to the Holy Spirit, who's, who's more of the Diet Coke version? And that's not the case. Jesus is the full embodiment of God. The whole power and authority of God is embodied in Jesus, and the full character of God is embodied in Christ Jesus. The God who was so veiled from humanity that only the perfect high priest could go in and encounter was now the high priest coming to humanity as the perfect sacrifice, right? That's our Jesus. Um, whew, I'm getting excited. John 10, 30. Jesus uh, kind of puts a, an exclamation point on this. He says, I and the Father are one. Amen. Right? I and the Father are one. Jesus elsewhere says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Right? He is the, he is the perfect expression of God. He is God, and he is now walking among men, unveiled, um, with a common name and an uncommon calling, Jesus the Christ. Colossians uh, 2, verses 9 and 10 says, For in him, and this again, just, just to highlight the, the, the reality of who Jesus is. Ready? Get this. The full deity dwells in bodily form. Right? There was not, listen, when, when Jesus came to earth, there was not, I, I don't know how this all works, right? I, I'm not going to claim here to, to know how, like, the fullness of God can exist in the person of Jesus, right? I don't know, like, it's called the, the hyperstatic union, right? Jesus is 100% man. He's also 100% God, right? I don't know how it all works together, right? My, my mind is too finite, too small to understand this. But look what it says. In him the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule. Everybody say rule. And all authority. Say authority. Jesus is the head over all power, 
over all authority in the entire world, in the entire universe, right? Jesus, and he came humbly as a man that you and I could encounter him, right? That you and I can encounter him today, right? You don't need to live 2,000 years ago to encounter Jesus. You can encounter him today. Amen. Amen? All right. Second point there, uh, the second kind of statement in this, this Apostles' Creed, right? We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son. Your next fill in here. If Jesus is the embodiment of God's provision for salvation, then Jesus being God's only Son tells us that He is the only redemption for humanity. Right? He is the only redemption for humanity. It's, there's not another. There's not a plan B, right? There was no—God did not sit there and be like, well, if the whole Jesus thing doesn't work, i got to think of something else. Right? That's not, God wasn't doing that, right? There is not a secondary person that we're waiting for. There's not another one of God's sons that we're waiting for to also be a redeemer, right? Uh, it's interesting that there's this, this trend right now. Uh, just raise your hand if you've heard of it. Have you ever heard of like the, the deconstruction movement, right? Yeah, we, listen, it's not, deconstructing is not, it's not just about like, oh, I have doubts about like, the Bible, or about if God really knows us, or, or the legitimacy of Scripture, like, we can, we can kind of wrestle through those things, and for the record, for each and every one of those, like, <laughs> there are answers, right? That's not, that's, not the, that's not the problem. The deconstruction movement at its core says, I cannot believe that God would only give one way to salvation, right? There's this, this worldly perspective that, like, well, that's, that's not inclusive. It's true, it's not. It's not inclusive. God only provided one way for salvation. Here's the difference. It is one way for everybody for salvation, right? There's, there's not a soul that is excluded from Jesus being able to come in and encounter their life and change their life, right? Nobody is excluded from that. But there's this prideful thing in the world where, where, where I think we as human beings fight against humbling ourselves and saying, okay, I need salvation, Right? If there's ever been a moment in your life where you invited Jesus in to be Lord and Savior, we recognize when we pray that prayer that we are, we are saying that we can't do it ourselves. Right? We can't do it ourselves. I can't save me from myself. Right? I need God to come and forgive what I can't make atonement for myself. Right? The Old Testament, there had to be all kinds of sacrifices for the mistakes we humans would make. Jesus is all of them wrapped up in one person. And he is the fullness of salvation. I'm getting all excited. Okay, there is not a— di oh, I said this already. Well, forgive me. If I, just, if I just blasted through the notes and, and you didn't take, get your fill-ins, forgive me. Okay, there is not an additional person—this is your next fill-in— in the Godhead, nor is there any other pathway for relationship with God. Jesus alone is the Son of God. Um— Forgive me, I'm just blasting through my notes. I'm excited. Okay. Right, so in Jesus, we recognize that we have complete access to God the Father, right? It's through Jesus. Because of Jesus, we have this access to Him. Um, so going back, just want just to take a, a second. Let's just, let's just park here a second when we're talking about the human condition, right? How many of us know, like, we're flawed human beings, right? Amen. There's, I, I found a little story here, and I wanted to share this with you, um, a little, little nugget of history. Have you ever heard of the great egg debate of the 1940s? No? I didn't either, okay? Unless you're a baker. Maybe if you're like a professional baker, you might have heard of this. In the 1940s, after World War II, there was an explosion of like the, the, 
the modern like food industry, right? Where companies were making all kinds of like prepackaged foods, the frozen dinner was coming out around then, which I can't even imagine what that was made out of. But, um, right, and one of the things that they were making was the instant, instant batter, right? Where like everything you needed to make a cake was just like, it was in, it was in the box. And all you had to do was add water. Well, in 1940, companies were finding that their instant mixes weren't selling the way they'd hoped that they would sell, right? So they kind of got together. In fact, the, the, the um, chairman of, um, not General Mills, there's one of the other ones. What'd I say? Pillsbury, yes, thank you. Yes, the, 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 the chairman of Pillsbury said that the, the debate on whether or not to remove powdered egg from the mixture and allow whoever's making the mixture to add a single egg was so fierce that it not only lasted for years, it lasted for 15 years and continued on even afterwards. Guys, 15 years, General Mills, Pillsbury, they were debating about, should you add an egg to the mixture, right? And it, I mean, this guy, it was a big deal. I mean, I would love to live in a world where my greatest worry was whether or not we should add an egg to baking mix, right? That's, you know? And now we got ragweed, <laughs> you know? Like, anyways. Right, so what they did is they, they hired a, a man by the name of Ernest Ditcher, okay? And he was a, a, like a, a, a psychologist, right? He was, he was there to try and, and, and figure out, like, what is the, what's the human emotion behind whether or not we should add an egg to the mix or not? And he interviewed some 200, um, uh, like, like stay-at-home like housewives and, and family members and kids and, and just kind of like, like went the gambit of the family, the, the modern family at the time, and tried to find out why did people have such an abrasion to wanting to put, to wanting to, to buy a mix without having to add an egg? Because the issue was the, if you just add water mix wasn't selling as well as if you just add water and one egg. And what he found out is that people by and large felt guilty about making a cake that only required water. Again, I would love to live in this world, <laughs> right? This sounds fantastic, right? They, they felt guilty about only having to add water. They felt like there needed to be an extra step. Something else had to be done in order for them to feel like they're doing something, like they're accomplishing something, right? Let's just face it. We all have things where we feel like if we don't do something ourselves, that we're not accomplishing something, you know? My, we have a neighbor one of our neighbors, uh, his name's Roberto. He has a, a, like a landscaping business, and he's, he's like a super awesome neighbor. So he like, he'll come and like, like do our yard from time to time. And I'm, so there are times I'll sit out on my, my porch and look at my yard and be like, ah, my yard. And I'll look down, and I'll like pick like one weed out of the ground and be like, there, did it. Perfect. Now it's good, right? I added something to the mix, and now I can call it mine. I can say I did the yard work, right? Because I added the 0.1% the, the of work I did, I can now have some stake in the claim. When we look at Jesus, there's nothing we can add to Jesus, right? When we look at Jesus, there's nothing we can add to the finished work of Jesus on the cross that, that we can make it better, right? It is completed. And the truth is, when we feel like we need to add something to it, what we're doing is we're telling God, Jesus is only 99.99% good enough. Can I tell you, Jesus is 100% good enough. Amen? Jesus is 100% good enough. John 14, 16, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one 
comes to the Father except through me. Earlier in John, John's wrapping up the ministry of Jesus along with his like arrival on, on planet Earth. And one of the things he says here, he says, the word became flesh. This is John 1.14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth in Jesus. And only in Jesus, we have complete access to God. We have complete grace from God. And we have the complete expression of God to us. All right, amen? Amen. Um, okay, final point here, kind of coming in for a little bit of a landing. That final point, our Lord Jesus. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. Luke 6, verse 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? I tell you, that verse just gets me all the time. It does. Jesus is referred to in the New Testament as Lord more than 250 times. Did you know that? 250 times the New Testament refers to Jesus as Lord. There are people who try to, to, to theologize Jesus out of the equation as God, right, as the Lord. Um, and they try to say, no, no, that's, that's, a, that's a picture. They're calling Jesus Lord as a picture of respect. Listen, the, when the Bible calls Jesus Lord 250 times, the Bible's not making a, a, a mistake, right? Amen? It's calling Jesus Lord. And that word Lord, ready, in the Greek is called, is the word, all right, I'm going to butcher this, but forgive me, uh, curious, curios, curios, I don't know. I did not take Greek, okay? This is just my best dyslexic interpretation for you, okay? Um, but it means in the Greek, supreme authority. Supreme authority. It means that there is not another authority that can stand up to the authority of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, and here's the thing, the lordship of Jesus, right, there is a hierarchy, we talk about like, there's a relationship between the Godhead that yes, Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are all one God, but there's also like they refer, they speak to one another, they're in communication with one another. And so we see that the lordship of Jesus was given to him by the Father, right? By God the Father. Acts 2 verse 36 says, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly. Everybody say assuredly. Do you know what assuredly means? It means you could be sure of it. Right? Yeah. Sometimes the Bible's not that complex. All right, we can be sure of this. Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus. Again, going back to what I said in the beginning, there are many Jesuses. It's not referring to all the other Jesuses that were around at the time, people that were named Jesus. It's saying this Jesus, this one Jesus, the revealed expression of God's love to humanity, has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, another clarifying statement, both Lord and and Christ. Right there again, he's being referred to as Lord, both Lord, supreme authority, and Christ, the anointed one. Right? The only one who can take away the sins from our lives. Acts uh, 23, I'm sorry. Oh no, I read that. My bad. Okay, Philippians uh, 2, 8, uh, verses 8 to 11. Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. I don't have this up here. Um, my bad. And being found in the appearance as a man, this is Paul talking about Jesus, he humbled himself and became obedient. Here's the Lord of the universe, right? The supreme authority, the one who is the ultimate expression of God's love, God's only son, and there's no other person, right? He himself, the supreme authority, 
is humbled himself and was obedient. And here Paul clarifies, to death, even death on a cross, right? The supreme authority, the perfect, the, the, the perfect provision for humanity was obedient to the Father, to even death, death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him, ready, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Hallelujah. right? Every tongue confess. He is Lord over all creation. This is like the, the, the highest place is the throne of Jesus. It's the, and that's the throne from which he left to be among us. And that's the throne which he now resides in. The God who left his heavenly throne to walk among creation made room that all creation could come before his heavenly throne and come boldly. Right? That's the picture. This is the expression of God. He doesn't want to be hidden from you. He wants you to come and boldly go before his throne. That's the expression of our God. See, here's the thing. And in our modern culture, listen, this is, <laughs> this is how people get canceled, right? So, yay. Um, right? Jesus doesn't want to be involved in your life. That might sound very harsh, and I'm sorry. I love you, but it's true. He doesn't just want to be involved in your life. He doesn't even want to just be a part of your life. Jesus came and gave you all of himself so that he could be your life. He could be the source of your life. He could be your life's foundation. So that when this world gets crazy, and listen, I don't know about you, I watch the news sometimes, and I'm like, I need to take a bath or something, right? Because I'm just like, this is crazy. You know what I mean? Like, every time I turn on the news, like, it, it looks like, it, and here's the thing. You know what's funny? Every news anchor is the same thing as, like, a weather anchor. You never see a more bored weatherman than when it's good skies out, right? You never see a more bored, like, news anchor than when there's nothing going on. You know what I mean? And like you get this feeling that they're the only excited ones in the room. Like everything's on fire. This is terrible. Over to you, Jim. Right? Like that's like, that's like, that's what, that's what, not PJ. I'm not referring to PJ for the record. Pastor Jim. Um, right? There's, there's this idea that like, oh, I'm getting all off my notes. I'm sorry. I'm, I'll just come back to it. I don't want to. <laughs> right? There's this idea that like, we have to come back to putting God as the final authority in our lives because the world's not going to get more stable, right? It's not. But the great one who is going to make a new heavens and new earth is the same one who wants to live inside your life, wants to come and live on the inside and do in you what the world cannot do, be the prince of peace, right? Because I don't know about you, like I said, the world's not getting more peaceful. Here's the thing, when we're talking about the lordship of Jesus. You know the early church had the chance to avoid persecution? Did you know that? It's interesting. Actually, at this time, I'm going to just invite Pastor James to, to come on up here. Yeah, the early church in the first century after uh, Jesus' death, as the churches were being established around um, Israel and, and, and in Samaria and, and throughout like the, the Middle East, Rome, which was in control of most of the, the, the area at that time, offered the early church a chance to have Christianity made an official religion. Right? It could be, Christianity could have been an official religion of Rome, one of its official religions. Rome had a, a tendency to collect gods and deities. Um, and they would have, they would collect them all in these places um, of worship, one of which was called the Pantheon. 
right? And there was, there was all the gods that you could worship in Rome. They were, they were, these were the official religions of Rome existed in the pantheon, right? And so Christianity was offered a place among the other gods in the pantheon. You could be, and, and listen, this is, if you're looking at this from a, the Roman perspective, this is a very generous move, you know? All these Christians are claiming that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. Well, we can't have that if they want to worship their Jesus, well, then we'll just have him added to the pantheon, and they can be an official religion of Rome. And, and for the early church, man, this would have been so easy. So easy. You could have just gone to the pantheon and worshiped Jesus there, and you could preach the gospel in little home churches, like no big deal, right? You and the worshipers of Dagon and the worshipers of Zeus could all hang out together, right? There was the chance that Jesus could have been included. Here's the thing. The early church said no, because there is not another God comparable to Jesus. There's not. There's not another God that's comparable to this Jesus. This Jesus is the only one, the only supreme authority. He does not fit in a pantheon with other gods, right? He does not fit among Dagon or Zeus. He doesn't fit among Buddha or Allah or, or the Dalai Lama or any other place, thing, or person. Jesus reigns supreme over it all. He can't be put into a room with pillars, right? His throne is the heavens. Gavin and I were talking about, man, there's this God that we worship, that we're saying is Lord of our lives. This is the God who like, who, who threw the stars into the universe and knows each one by name. We were looking at pictures from the, 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 the Webb telescope, James Webb telescope, right? Out in space. It's taking pictures of like nebulas and the, the person we were looking at this thing was talking about how like a nebula it's like this like the screen's like this big right and they're saying from the left side of the picture to the right side of the picture takes a beam of light 300,000 years to travel I'm like that's a long time <laughs> the same God who just put that there is not interested in stars and nebulas half as much as he's interested in you and I don't know, listen, I don't know why, because I'm really, like, it gives me perspective. I'm really small. In comparison to what's going on, right, in the world, man, I'm even smaller. And yet the Bible depicts a God who is not distant from you because the world's crazy or because the world's big. He cares about everything going on in your life. The same God who cares, he cares about the hairs on your head, however they might change from day to day. Right? That's our God. He is big and powerful and grand, and we can get this idea that I'm so small and in, incapable of ever making him happy. Why would God ever want to have relationship with me? And we had this moment, Gavin and I were talking about this, we had this moment where um, <laughs> Noah's right over there, he looks cute, we dressed to match today, and it's adorable. We were talking about how, imagine from Noah's perspective, right? Gab and I to Noah are geniuses. You know what I mean? Like, we know where the spoons are. You know what I mean? We know where his clothes come from. You know, like, we're, like we, we know how to use doors. Like, to Noah, we are just mind-boggling brilliant. I can imagine if Noah was like, man, they know so much. What would they want to do with me? Can I tell you? His voice is one of the only things I want to hear on a daily basis. 
Not because he's going to tell me anything particularly intelligent. Because he's my son. In Jesus, we have sonship and daughterhood with the Father. He loves you because he made you. And before God was trying to invent gravity, he was inventing you. He was thinking of you. God didn't, I say this all the time, but God didn't take the cosmic dice and just roll them and find out where you popped out. You are here right now. Yes, when the world is crazy and we're all sniffly from ragweed and we're all trying to figure out how to just do this thing with God, right? God put you here for such a time as this, not because he made a mistake, but because he put you here on purpose. He loves you and he wants to hear your voice. He wants to be Lord of your life, not because he wants to take something from you, because he wants to give you the fullness of himself. You know, what we do sometimes just as, as human beings is we, we find it hard, you know, e- even being in the church for a long time, it can be difficult to vacate the throne of our lives, right? Sometimes there are things going on where we just want to, man, we want to hold on to what's going on. There's a circumstance or a relationship that's just going crazy. And so what we try to do is we try to hold on to that throne with all our might. And we just kind of get like, like knuckles white, gripping, holding on, trying to, trying to stay in control of what's going on. Because we feel like if I'm not in control, it's all going to be bad. Right? If I'm, not, if I'm not trying to hold on here and trying to maintain the craziness in my life from getting worse, what could happen? When we say Jesus is Lord, what we're saying is that I am willing to vacate the throne of my life. Because listen, let me tell you, the God of the universe who sits in the throne room of heaven desires more to sit on the throne of your heart. And I don't understand why, but everything about Jesus points that this, you, by yourself, you alone in the seat, sitting whether by yourself or someone next to you, you are the purpose that he came to this world, that he would die on a cross. And his invitation is saying, son, daughter, step out of the throne. You don't have to be in control. You know what I do in my life? I'm like, yeah, God, you get, yeah, you get to sit. You get to sit right here. It's all yours. It's good. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna watch right from here, right? If I could just hold on a little bit. Listen, Jesus being Lord doesn't mean that he is 99.9% Lord. It means he's 100% Lord. It means we entrust our lives wholly to him. It means he reigns alone. And that means when God says, hey, this is good, it's really good. And when God says, hey, here's something that's going to hurt you, He's not saying it to try and take something from you. He loves you enough to say, follow me. Don't go these other directions. Don't follow after all these other things. Don't give give your life to to material things or to following false doctrines or, or false teachings. Follow me, Jesus says. I'm the way. Hey, listen, will you stand with me here as we close? feel like just as we're wrapping up here, I feel like the Lord's throwing on my heart that, hey, 
maybe you're here and, and there's, maybe you're here and you've made Jesus Savior of life, that you've trusted Jesus to, to save us from our sin, but you never crossed that line to making him Lord. I feel like the Lord's saying that today's the day to surrender that down, to lay that down, to give him complete control. Maybe you're here and sometimes that looks like there's just something that you feel like you have to hold on to. There's a family situation, there's a financial situation, that there's a hurt, that there's, a, there's something that happened in the past that left you wounded, that somebody wronged you and you feel like you can't let that go because I need to hold on to it. The invitation this morning, let that go. Give it to the, hands, the same hands that hold every one of your tears. Invented time. He knows what you've gone through. He knows what you're going through. But God's a good God who won't force his way into your life. Will you this morning vacate the throne of your heart and give your life over to Jesus as Lord? Can I tell you, we need to do that. I need to do that sometimes in a fresh way on a daily basis. Vacate the throne of our lives. So if that's you this morning, listen, I, I want to invite you. I'm going to pray for you here. And after I pray, listen, you're, you're dismissed. But if you need prayer for something, if you need, if there's something you're wrestling with, don't wrestle alone. You know, the, the Bible calls us the body of Christ. That means we come together and we bear one another's burdens. That means we come alongside and we lift each other up in prayer. And maybe you're here and you don't even believe that, that there's anything God could do. You feel like it's all too far gone. Listen, give God a chance. Because he's so good and he's so faithful. So I'm going to pray with you here this morning. And if you need prayer, come on up. There's going to be folks here that are going to be so thrilled to pray with you. And know, church, that we love you. Let's follow the Lord together. Heavenly Father, this morning we just lay down every ambition. We lay down every authority that tries to hold on to our life, holds on to authority in our life, tries to hold on to, tries to hold on to what belongs to you. Heavenly Father, this morning we put it in your hands. We surrender. We say it's not ours that Lord you are Lord over our lives. You're the supreme authority. What you say goes. When you say to walk this way, Father, we choose to walk in it. And when you say to stop, we choose to stop. Because this morning we're declaring that Jesus Christ, God's only Son, is our Lord. In the name of Jesus, if you agree with this morning, can you say amen? Amen. 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 Well, church, hey, listen, we love you. Thank you for being with us this morning. If you need prayer for anything, let us pray with you. And we love you, church. We are so thankful that you're with us. We look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you.